and welcome back to Trennis Magnus Jabs Reality, presented by Two True Freaks. I'm your host, Magnus, and I'm pissed off. Guys, I really wish I could tell you all of the weird bullshit that's happened to me today that is affecting the recording of this episode, but like, if I were to do that, it's like, number one, we're going to be here like all freaking night, so I guess there's that to think about, but it's like, number two, I think, I don't, I, I don't actually know. I don't actually know this to be true, but I think if you were to demographically break down my numbers, a huge number of you, actually, you already live in like these big, sprawling urban city centers, like these big uh, major metros and stuff. So odds are you may not know the exact like specifics of what I've gone through today, but you're going to be familiar enough with it in the main that hearing me bitch and complain about it probably isn't going to be new information for a lot of you, I think. So there's that to think about. But I'm also, I'm also kind of pissed off about today's subject matter. So just to cast everybody's mind way back in time, a couple of months ago, I released an episode of Trennis Magnus Jabs Reality that was... It was basically a response to news, all right? At that time, that was all that was out there, was just some news stating that, son of a gun, Tom Welling is going to... Not only is he going to be making a cameo appearance in the Arrowverse Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover, he's going to be doing it in character. You know, he's not going to... This isn't stunt casting for some throwaway little bit this is the smallville version of clark played by tom welling right and so i read that news guys and one of the first things that i wanted to do was release a very special episode of trennis magnus jabs reality reacting to that and for something like this I knew I needed help, not clinical help. I mean, I, I needed assistance. I, I wanted to have somebody on the show who understands where I'm coming from. And so it, I, I dare not exaggerate in saying it was the most obvious thing in the world to invite to that episode and to today's episode. Well, for a very special episode of Trennis Magnus Jabs Reality, a very special guest that I would like to welcome back to this show for the first time since the last time. Welcome back, Mr. Dave Atterbury. How are you, sir? I am doing well. Thank you very much for having me here. And thank you for listening to my verbal diarrhea there. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, hey, we how you been doing, brother. man? I've been doing good. I've been doing good. I've also been feeling some of the megalopolis pains that you have been enduring. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll leave that there. But uh, and I uh, I resemble your remarks. Uh, it's it's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. I didn't expect to be here uh, on the other side of this. So. Yeah. No. That that makes two of us actually. So, uh, Dave, what I want you to do is uh, uh, take the ball on this uh okay. basically i want you to you know it, it, the last time you were here you you laid out your origin story for for smallville right. this time I, I want you to just give us your hot take where exactly like how did you go about uh 
seeing this this cameo appearance uh just t take us through the story of all that what were your thoughts and reactions you know how happy were you how upset or or, or just whatever so uh, the floor okay. is your all right so uh, i'll admit the first time i saw it i saw it the scene out of context on youtube uh cw um posted the clip of it on on their web their youtube page um so i watched it you know i kind of soaked it in for a minute and then and then like a fool went to the comment sections <laughs> which is you know uh, my uh, you know broke my my one of my personal rules there and um thinking i might find a few like-minded reactions but wow um you know of a, of a video that had been viewed two million times by the time i laid my eyes on it and this was like the night after the episode aired mind you mm -hmm. um everybody seemed to really like and thought it was a very fitting scene and i just wanted to kind of yell bullshit <laughs> <laughs> um you know I, wow um and so, and, and to follow up on that, I, I uh, just uh, two nights ago, I, I binge watched all of the episodes, like in order, back to back to back to back to back. Right. Um, and before I get ranty, I, I, I want to say uh, kudos to CW for throwing their stuff out there that you can just watch it whenever you want to watch it with, with the price being paid of a few ads. Um, I wish more content providers would do that. Yeah. Anyways, so, yeah, um, I, you know, I, I started this rant in my head a few times uh, in the shower this morning. <laughs> I don't know where to go now, but I'll say this. I, well, here's the, mm, wow, I'm getting tongue-tied. Yeah. The, the thing about it is I feel like two steps forward, one step back, I guess. Um, you know, if this scene had taken place and was supposed to take place sometime in the timeline of Smallville as it exists in the, in the, in the 10 seasons, mm -hmm. it probably wouldn't have bothered me. Right. But I kind of feel like, wait a minute, like, you know, the, to me, the point of Smallville is about how Superboy became Superman, you know, right. about how he kind of embraced his destiny. And it's like, apparently everybody involved in Smallville, or at least involved in, or Tom Welling, I should say, is just as like, embrace the idea of I'm never putting the suit on, I'm never going to be Superman. Like, I, I don't know, like, <laughs> you sent me the article the other day with Tom Welling talking about why he did agree to the cameo. Right. Which was basically the bottom line was he agreed to do it because Superman wasn't Superman. Yeah. <laughs> I just was like, wow. Um, were you just trying to kick us in the nuts a little bit? Like, were you just trying to rub it in? Like, I don't, well, I don't know. <sighs> And I remember, I don't know if you and I shared or read, talked about the article somewhere at some point, someone, somewhere, someone involved in all this categorically said explicitly that they considered that the season 11 Smallville comic is still canon in light yes. of 
all this. Yes. So basically we got Tom Welling Clark as Superman. It's just never going to be talked about in live action on screen, apparently. So, and, and here's the, here's the thing, I guess. And let, let me explain, I guess, if, because I'm sure there's somebody that's going to listen to this that, that didn't even watch the crisis crossover. Right. As weird as that is in context of the whole overarching story, very early on, this happens in the second of the five episodes, by the way. Right. Um, you know, the, the monitor gathers the heroes and basically tells them you're going to need seven paragons to fight the bad guy, which is fine. I get that. You know, that's kind of typical boilerplate, you know, hero story stuff. Yeah. So they immediately set off and are told to go get Clark Kent from Smallville. That he's the uh, now if I, I've I only watched it the two times, Trennis, but I think. Because he was he was supposed to be the Kryptonian Paragon, right? Is that what yes. they called him at first? Like I can't they they kept it was weird they kept referring to some of them as like the Paragon of Hope and the Paragon of Humanity. I don't think they ever said which one the Krypton. Well, at first they kept saying it was just like the, the Kryptonian Paragon, and then it switched to is it when they switched that to Hope or something or? Well, I don't even remember. I, I can't. I've, remember. Even, I've even got my own little rant on that, but I I was I'm laboring under the assumption that Brandon Routh Superman that was. Paragon ended, of Truth, I think. Right. Or, yeah. So he ended up being the the ultimately being the crypt. Well, no, Kara ended up being. They ended up having two Kryptonian Paragons at, at some point. Yeah. Right. But when they start out on this little adventure, you know, they're told they have to go get Clark Kent from Smallville. Um, you know, and they send the Superman and Lois Lane from the Arrowverse, along with um, Flash's girlfriend. For whatever reason, yeah, Iris. Yeah, Iris goes along to go get him, and so it, it, the scene started, and I thought, okay, this makes sense. We're going to get this kind of Lois and Clark, Lois and Clark face to face thing, you know. And I was like, I, and, I, and I was like, I got, I thought that's a good idea, you know, that's a great because I, I mean, they're still making a Superman and Lois show off of the Arrowverse ones, right? Yeah. That's the thing. So I could kind of see maybe a springboard, but <laughs> I mean, how long were they there in Smallville? Like four seconds before they were magicked away? Yeah, by something. Like, yeah, by like, it was not very long at all. They didn't even get like any kind of interaction whatsoever. No. Then we get then we get Cryer Lex. That's all I'm gonna call him. I can't call him anything else. Like you know, John Cryer Lex shows up, and it's like they have a conversation that probably would have played a little better if it had actually been. Um, the Smallville Lex, but it had actually been um, Rosenbaum. Rosenbaum had actually shown up. Yeah. You know, and then it's just like da, 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 over and everybody leaves. And basically, <laughs> and basically within moments, you know, they, they basically are like, oh yeah, no, he's not the Paragon. <laughs> or yeah. whatever, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, for the love of all that is holy. You yeah. couldn't have done anything better with, with these guys, you know? Oh, and, and not to mention, I mean, I'm a huge Erica Durant's fan as Lois. And she was there for, like, four seconds. Yeah. She had a longer cameo as her character from the other Arrowverse show before she was unceremoniously killed off screen. Yeah. <laughs> like, just... yes. Yeah, a lot like you. A lot like you. I, 
I watched this scene out of context with everything else. Yeah. And then actually watched it in context with the episodes. Yeah. And uh, obviously there's a lot to unpack here. So my my buy-in for all of this, for this whole crossover, really what it came down to was Smallville. I mean, that was the killer app oh, yeah. for me that, okay, fine. I'm actually going to commit to watching all of these episodes. Because I got to tell you, with these big crossovers in the Arrowverse, we really are getting diminishing returns now, you know? And so, and I'll circle back to that later, just so we can have a little bit of an all-encompassing sort of discussion here. But I, I, I'm kind of to the point where I don't know how much longer I'm going to be sticking around with any of the Arrowverse shows. But at least for for Crisis, if I was on the fence before, well, okay, you've got Welling and Durant's coming back. Now I'm interested. So I watched it and. I'm of the opinion that, or, or, or at least to start with, I, when, when Smallville was a going concern, mm -hmm. I didn't completely buy into the idea that Welling just did not want to wear the outfit, you know, that every single step along the way, there, there were very logical, and I would say even very organic story-based reasons for him to make a different decision. There, it it yeah. added up that he's not going to put on the suit for insert reason here that is very good it's very valid very lucid but as things kind of wear on i think especially after smallville ended it becomes more apparent really the hold up there really was welling and i think that worked to smallville's benefit for all 10 seasons and every episode therein i think it benefited smallville you get into this arrowverse crossover and there has to be a reason now for Welling to not put on the outfit. What is that reason? And the reason that somebody came up with, I mean, because we know what the stipulation is. Welling says, I'm not going to wear the fucking outfit. So yeah. why is he not going to wear it? The reason they came up with, he gave up his powers. He does not have his abilities anymore. He, we can assume, is no longer Superman. That was something that he did at least at one point. But now he's returned to obscurity. And this is the moment, I think, when Welling's ethics, if we, I, I don't know if we, if that's even the right word to use, but I'm trying to put this in a light that's most favorable to him. Yeah. This is the point when his ethics kind of start working against the material now. Because, like I say, it made all the sense in the world to not wear the outfit during the run of the show. I, I say I will defend. I am defending that on a kind of regular basis. I'm the guy in the room that has a an, a, an irregular feature of my main gig, Trennis Magnus Punches Reality, where I talk about Smallville and how wonderful it is. I defend that decision virtually in every single episode. That's... I think that was the right decision to make, and I respect him for doing it. That kind of goes out the window here a little bit. You know, I mean, look, if you just don't want to wear the outfit, part of me actually kind of understands because I don't want to, I don't want to be seen in tights myself. So I don't want to throw too many stones for fear of breaking my glass house. But so I get that. But the, the deal breaker for me is giving up his powers. 
and there's the obvious thing going on there of well brandon routh that version of the character obviously this is somewhat riffing on kingdom come so smallville clark giving up his powers well we can half-ass tie that back to whatever happened to the man of tomorrow and all and i get all that but it's like number one i despise whatever happened to the man of tomorrow and it's like number two one of the reasons i despise it is that story ends with Superman giving up his powers, and it's like, gosh, I sure hope Darkseid never comes calling again, because mankind is kind of screwed now, you know? If they don't have... Yeah. Um, Supergirl is gone. Superman is now out of commission. If Darkseid or Mongol or, geez, for that matter, just the prankster, if any of them decide they, they want to get uppity, well, there's really not anyone around to stop them anymore. And this is so objectionable to me in particular because spoiler alert smallville as a show ends with superman turning apocalypse literally away from planet earth and saving the entire world in the process we know that such a thing is possible there is precedent dark side may decide you know what maybe what we need here is round two well who's gonna fucking save the world now you know Right. And and I get it. This was this was basically an excuse to get Welling back on the show, but it's like this damages Smallville now in Yeah on in, in a pretty significant way, I, I think. And now I there is there it's tenuous, but there is an out clause. Okay, there is a way to escape from this if anybody has the willingness to do it. If you pay attention to the to the wristwatch that that Clark is wearing through that scene, it's got a blue face. And in the Smallville universe, blue kryptonite temporarily it doesn't take away in any kind of permanent sense. It does not take away a Kryptonian's abilities under a yellow sun. It basically just blocks them out. So it has the practical effect of rendering them human, but without any permanent consequences and so if you want you could say he has blue kryptonite embedded into his watch it's something that he carries around it's not something that most people are going to notice or comment upon but it allows him to be functionally mortal and thereby not stand out too much Mm -hmm. and he can just take that watch off and bam now Superman's back right and that is truly the one ray of sunshine that I see here because I got to tell you I finished watching that scene I was so pissed off I couldn't even oh. see straight and then to add insult to injury I, I I touched on this a minute ago I think that I watched a different it, it's the same scene obviously but it's I think a different source on YouTube mm-hmm. and the comments at least that I read dude they were burning that thing in effigy I mean Oh, uh, I, when I came back to it later, I think they just turned the comments off because obviously this was not going the way anybody hoped. There was a miniature rebellion that was forming in those comments, Haas. And peop, at least the ones that I saw were, they ranged from, well, geez, this was a complete waste of time. You know, you could have cut this scene out of the episode and lost oh. nothing. Oh, yeah. They, they ranged from that to more kind of story-based. Well, I could give a damn about the Arrowverse. I care 
how this affects Smallville, and it affects Smallville in a pretty freaking bad way. And there was plenty of that. So I don't know if you saw any of those comments, but there were a no, few. I wish I had. Because I, I, I generally, they're dead on the money. And, and the, the funny thing about it, and, and I'll be honest, I felt a little better after watching all five episodes of Crisis. Yeah. Not, not because it made the Smallville tie-in any better. Um, it just kind of gave me context to the idea that, like, I don't know who was running the show here, but it was kind of... I thought it was kind of terrible. I'll be honest. Like, I mean, I watch a lot of... Uh, I, I I read a lot of books. I watch shows. I, you know, I like narrative storytelling. Yes. Okay. Um, I'm not... And I get invested in them. Like, I get... I think about them. Uh, you know, I, I dwell on them in my imagination. It's what I think about, you know... When I'm lying in bed at night and I can't sleep or whatever. It's just, you know, those kind of things percolate with me. I, I, you know, I think about them beyond just the, the moment that I'm watching them, you know. I watched this show and I felt like I kept rewinding it like every few minutes because I kept going, did I miss something? Did I zone out there? Like, I, I, the plot was nigh on incomprehensible as far as I'm concerned. Like, mm-hmm. it just was... You know, and and even even from a from a we've got to sustain our current shows standpoint, because ultimately this whole Paragon storyline pretty much resolved itself into all the current show stars are the most important people in the Arrowverse, which is totally fine. I get that, like you know, but it was just done so poorly. You know, I mean, it, if you want to bring in, you know, again, like if you want to bring in like somebody from Smallville and actually have them stand around long enough to have a conversation, why not at least have Clark from that universe talk about something of relevance from his story arc to help somebody in the Arrowverse? You know, well, and, and, then, and that was the thing. We did kind of get that. And even that was kind of a slap in the face. Right. You know, like, oh, don't miss conversations like these. <laughs> what? Exactly. I mean, I'm just like, okay, you know, like, again, if if Rosenbaum had showed up, I could have understood making the majority of the screen time between Tom Welling and 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 him like that. That would have made sense to me. But he's interacting with this John Cryer Lex, which, again, I don't watch Supergirl, so I have no investment in. But even so, their conversation was ultimately pointless. Yeah. It just didn't even, you know, and so I felt like, okay, like, because again, the conceit of, oh, we need, we need these paragons to inspire us to like do something or whatever. I thought at least it could have been, oh, okay. They go, they visit Clark from Smallville. He installs or in, inspires them with some wisdom, some of his own personal experiences, even if he's like, oh yeah, I'm basically retired now. I have children and a family. I'm not really doing the Superman thing but he can talk to them for a minute. And again, then have this Lex show up, who by the way is just a big, you know, he just, whatever the plot needed him to do through the entire five episodes, he could just magically do with his magic book. Yeah. Have some stupid magic reason that Clark from Smallville can't go with him, you know? 
but instead of this whole like I'm not Superman anymore because I gave up my powers and I'm I'm basically like reverting and undoing like seasons worth of character growth from my kick-ass show to contri- for this contrived plot of a show that just I mean it just woof like <laughs> I've got something I want to say to the, actually first I want to open up my my coke here hold on yeah all right so I, I I've got something I I do kind of want to piggyback on with that and. Guys, full disclosure, I don't know Tom Welling. I met him once. It was at a con. He's a really friendly guy. He's great to talk to and just kind of oh, chit-chat yeah. with and all that. He's, it, it, It's great, you know? And um, having said all of that, though, this whole thing, this, like, this kind of meathead frat boy image that Tom Welling has, you guys need to understand, it's not just an image. I mean, that's who the guy is, you know? And... That seemed to be very much on display. Again, I, I, it sounds like like it's a swipe at the guy to, to say that, because those are, let's face it, not exactly com- complimentary terms. But let's just kind of be real here. That's kind of who the guy is. Not not in a bad way, but he, we do need was, to be honest. He was and, a model. He, he, he was a model. Like, he's he's what you think of when you think of, like, a CW actor somebody that can stand there look pretty and say their lines that's kind of that's pretty yeah, more or less. The course that's pretty part of the course with cw shows you know yeah yeah absolutely and i get the idea again don't know the guy but i get the idea that he wanted to be able to say it's over it's it's finished we did it it's done you know and I get the idea, like, this is, a, this scene or something similar, this is what you do when you don't want to be asked for the rest of your life, why didn't you do a cameo appearance on the Arrowverse? This is what you do, mm. you know? And again, I'm speaking way out of turn here because I, I, I don't know him. And so for me to crawl inside of his head like this is kind of inappropriate, but Honestly, the way I look at it is this. I mean, there's a kind of a clear reference going on here to whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow, where, again, the the key, like the climax of that, or the conclusion of that story is Superman willingly giving up his abilities. And it's like, okay, if you want to tell a, if you want to riff on something from the comics where Superman, like the Superman mythos ends, why not? Did you ever read that Silver Age story, the amazing story of Superman Red and Superman Blue? I don't think I have. It's actually really good. It's like uh, 12, 14, 16, something like that pages long. And it's a Silver Age story. And basically, this is a the end of Superman type mm-hmm. of story, right? Yeah. And not to bury the lead, there are two Supermen. You know, Superman manages somehow by accident to split himself into two Superman red Superman blue and one of them ends up marrying Lois so you already know that one of them is going to end up marrying Lana one of them uh, moves off to Krypton uh, or not Krypton like new Kandor or something like that he re-enlarges the city of Kandor and basically builds a new Krypton and ends up moving there himself with Lois the other one stays behind as Superman on Earth not that they really need Superman because He's basically brought about world peace, and there's no real villain to the story. There's no real conflict. It's mm. basically just a really long 
conclusion that you can plug basically anywhere into Silver Age Superman. Like, gee, I wonder what this character's end might be. Well, this isn't the end of the character, but this is sort of like end of the story in a way. Yeah. And why not do something like that, where Superman basically has brought about world peace. He's not really needed anymore. You know, he did his thing. And so, yeah, he's Superman, kind of, but he doesn't ever really need to be Superman. He's still got his abilities, and he can swing into action if he ever needs to, but he doesn't really ever need to, so he doesn't. You know, that is just as valid a conclusion for that character. If you must give him a conclusion at the age of 35 or however old he's supposed to be, (laughs) if you must give him some kind of a conclusion, well, that's as good a one as any, you know? And so now you touched on the Arrowverse itself, and I I, I do kind of want to hit upon that and say, full disclosure, I'm not a big Arrowverse guy, okay? Never have been. Now, my wife and I, we were huge fans of The Flash. Huge fans. Love that show. Mm-hmm. And we were absolutely invested in the first season, which I maintain still is the best season. But the bloom, I think, really has come off the rose with The Flash. One might say, especially with The Flash. To where this season, it's like I just... I don't really think I care very much. And I think the reason I don't care very much is sitting there watching specifically Grant Gustin, who to all, to to all accounts, every story I've ever heard about the guy, he is cool as balls. He's the nicest guy you could ever hope to meet. You know, there's no prima Donna celebrity stuff going on with him. He's, he's just a super cool guy. No matter how cool you think he is, he's actually cooler than that. You know? But it, I watch him on The Flash this season, and it's like this guy has mentally checked out of this character. He, do, he, he doesn't care anymore. He's not invested. And this is not to speak of the fact that I ch- – guys, consider this to be my challenge, okay? Watch The Flash again for the first time. Find me anything, anything, fucking anything about this show that Iris does where she's successful, Find me anything. She <laughs> fails at everything. Try though I might, I cannot see her win at anything. Ralph Dibney wins at stuff. Barry Allen wins at stuff. Caitlin Snow wins at stuff. Um, Cisco wins. You know, uh, everyone on the show, every character has some kind of victory. Maybe not necessarily in every episode, right. although sometimes, but. Every single character, Joe, all of them, uh, Joe's new wife, whose name escapes me, sooner or later, they all have, even if it's a small passing victory, they still have a victory. Iris fails at fucking everything. You know, I mean, it, I'm, I'm kind of to the point where I'm starting to think, you know, I don't think the writers like her very much. There's something about this character or this actress or something, some yeah. some kind of motherfuckeries going on here to where... She fails. It's like, this is the way you write a character that you completely despise, you know? And so between a character that I hate and an actor that doesn't seem to care, it's like, there's really not much about this show anymore to captivate my attention, you know? And so I'm kind of to a point where I'm starting to check out of the flash. And so given that Stacy and I turned our backs, 
sort of collectively on Arrow, the Flash was really the last investment that we had in the Arrowverse. And now that yeah. she and I both kind of seem to be getting a little fed up with where things are going, it does sort of raise the question of, are we done now with the Arrowverse? Because I can't speak for anyone else, right? All you people are welcome to make whatever decisions you want. Don't let me influence you. But I really don't give a shit about this Superman and Lois show. I, I'm for those of you who are looking forward to it. I'm glad that you're gonna that, that you that you're finally getting a show that you've been clamoring for all this time. Yay! That ain't me. Yeah. You know. So anyway. Well, it's it's fascinating to me because I thought for sure I'm like, okay, they're doing this five episode five show crossover, you know, and ostensibly, you know, there's hype, there's marketing push, there's, yeah. you know, there's shit's getting done, you know what I mean? And so I, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I'm gonna see this, and there's gonna be, you know, the ultimate point of this is gonna be obviously to kind of set things up in all their individual shows. Right. Um, what was fascinating to me is that um, I went in fully expecting that each show would do the thing of, yeah, it's a big crossover, but you, you're going to kind of get, you know, the arrow centric episode because it's an it's 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 an episode of the arrow. Right. Yeah. Right. Or, or Batwoman or whatever. They didn't really do that that much, which I thought was surprising. Yes. You know. We have a Superman and Lois show. Those characters probably got the least amount of screen time of anybody involved. Yeah. Like half the time. And again, that was the thing I kept. This thing was so bizarre to me, Trennis. Mm -hmm. Like I just, you know, and, and you've got the overall mega story of this is how we're killing off and getting rid of the arrow. Right. Yeah. I'm exactly with you. Like my history with the Arrowverse is pretty much in lockstep other than I've never watched the arrow. You know, I watched a couple seasons of Flash. It's like waiting there for me to pick up eventually. I don't know if I ever will. And the rest of the shows, whatever. I've seen a few episodes here and there. Nothing of Batwoman. Um, so I come into this thing and I'm like, okay, you know, I'm going to kind of use this as maybe a little test the waters to see about maybe going back and getting caught up on some of these shows. And, you know, here they are trying to, you know, all this emotion and all this, oh man, you know, Oliver died. Oh man, Oliver died again. And it was just like, it was just like, I mean, it was just, uh, everything I want to say is too foul. I can't come up with a phrase that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like so it, free. This is an R-rated uh, I mean, podcast. I mean, it was just so limp dick. I mean, it was just absolutely like, you know, I'm sitting there cause I, cause, and again, my mental yardstick for this because is, is always going to be Smallville because this whole Arrowverse exists because of Smallville, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it's it's based off the same template. It's yeah. the CW shows like, you know, they they only greenlit any of these other shows because of Smallville. Let's, you know, I mean, let's face it. Right. Right. And so and I'm like, you know, I remember some of the epic moments in Smallville, some of the 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 midseason finales and the season finales like, yes, you know, and they were epic i mean my wife and i we really got into smallville the last you know three four seasons you know when it was appointment television for us it was awesome yeah. and i'm watching this crisis and i'm just like this is the best they can do like this this should be like this is where they whip out like here it is look at it isn't it amazing like 
this, you know, like, let me, let me give her an example. You know, here I am seething the whole time about like, okay, Clark from Smallville was supposed to be a paragon until he wasn't right. Right. They get they get to the climax of this whole thing, you know, and and the, it's oh it's time for the paragons to step up, right? Yeah. They literally stand in a line and stare at Oliver, like somebody actually said out loud, like just think really hard about your virtue or whatever. Like I'm just like yeah, I'm like I, I'm that like, was so yeah that, you ran out of money. Like what the yeah, hell? That, like, that was the the Care Bears stare moment of this whole crossover, and they didn't no... even get get the stare out of the belly. Like they didn't even like pow. Like I was like I was if nothing else, you know, just generic beam of light from each one of them all shoot into Oliver and shoot, you know, like just yeah. you know some fantasy nonsense that would be totally fine, mm-hmm. you know. And again, don't don't ever think for a minute I'm not into that. Like you know, like I, I'm all about the crazy fantasy nonsense. I love it. And so that was, I'm just like, yeah. I was, I'm watching it. And I'm just like, you know, they just have these people standing around in their costumes in a rock quarry with a green filter doing nothing, literally just standing there. Yeah. And I just was like, this kind of sums up this whole thing, you know, like I, you know, well, the whole thing looks like number one, it looks like a high school production, but, um, wow. Yeah. I, Oh yeah, back woman's outfit. Holy, yeah. Wow, wow. Yeah. No, wow. I'm 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 right there with you. Um, so so from the jump, you know, I mean, I've I've kind of got issues there. This just looks cheap. And by the way, in terms of people who have just mentally checked out of their character, I'm kind of tempted to add Melissa Benoist to that list. Mm. There was like a spunkiness and an effervescence and like the few season one episodes of Supergirl that I ever saw. Mm-hmm. This is somebody who had this kind of bubbly take on on the character that I for everything else I could say about Supergirl as a show. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot, <laughs> much of which isn't very good for everything else I can say about the show. You want to talk about some fucking pitch perfect casting. Melissa Benoist as Supergirl is pitch perfect casting. Just everything about her, her look, her performance, everything, you know. Um, I would even go so far as to say that is probably, I don't know if it's definitive for all time, but certainly it's the best I think that character has ever gotten. And I include Laura Vandervoort on that list, right? And so she too has, has checked out, but so all of that's going on. And the thing you, you hit upon Smallville's uh, finales, mid season and then full season finales. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I thought that was such an insightful point because with Smallville, they had obviously a smaller budget to work with in general, I think. Yeah. But, the thing about it that that all those different finales uh, that works for me is that they understood whether this is a principle or whether it's circumstance, the showrunners understood this is television. What does television do? Because we know that that big screen cinema that does big, epic, sprawling, you know, just yeah. mega stuff. Right. That's what that, that's what feature film does. Television does small and intimate, right? That's its natural habitat. And so Smallville, as a show, collectively seemed to understand that less really is more with these sorts of things. And 
so there was really no choice except to depend upon character relationships, character dynamics, character arcs, mm-hmm. subplots and themes and all that stuff. They had to use the tricks of the trade. They had to depend upon writing in order to to get from point A to point B. Yeah. And the people involved with the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover there's a lot of money that's on the screen. You can tell a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of manpower went into making those episodes as good as they possibly could be on a technical level. But I don't think that the writing is up to scratch. Somebody here forgot that, you know what? We're never going to be able to compete with Endgame in terms of epic spectacle and all that stuff. Yes. We need to depend on these characters being conflicted or we need to depend upon these characters being in conflict with each other. We need to deal with uh, different agendas or different ideas or um, uh, differences of opinion on how best to do X, Y, or Z, you know, putting them up against these galactic threats that look like stuff that somebody threw together in Adobe premiere or something (laughs) like that, because that's the, that's as much as your CGI budget's going to allow you to do. You're always going to fall flat because people have such a high standard now for what big effects sequences look like. People get bored with that stuff watching Endgame, you know. So if they get bored watching that with Endgame, what do you, do you think this that you're going to have something different to offer? What makes Endgame work? It ain't the action scenes, guys. It's the fact that people had like a ten-year investment with those characters. They right. wanted to see how this all played out. And the thing about it is the people involved with the Arrowverse crossover, I don't know them. They seem generally, I guess, like nice people. I'm not trying to denigrate their hard work, their 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 vision, the amount of bargaining and compromises and all the other things that you have to do if you want to make a TV show. I'm not trying to denigrate any of that. But I will say that I think they forgot the fundamentals, especially when it comes to television you cannot compete with Endgame. It's just never going to happen. And in terms of production value, you're never going to be able to hang with that. You yep. need to have a level of character that even feature film can't compete with. And right. at the end of the day, they failed to del- to deliver. Not to speak of the fact, like I'm saying, it really does have this kind of high school production quality about it. I can overlook that if the writing is up to snuff. But between characters, or sorry, there between actors that don't seem to give a shit, writing that doesn't seem to measure up, uh, this, in spite of all the money that we all know they spent on this, just how cheap everything looks, it's. Mm-hmm. I I don't have enough of an investment in, in these in these different shows, in these iterations of these characters to overcome that stuff. You got to give me something, and the one thing they did give me, the the Welling cameo it kind of prejudices me against what they're trying to do. You know, (laughs) now the saving grace, even among people who seem to kind of get into the Arrowverse, the crisis crossover, the saving grace seems to have been Brandon Routh coming back to Superman. Now, do you even care about that? Or or were you, were you into that? Did you hate that? Like, where are you, where are you on that? I, um, I liked the movie when it came out. Um, I wanted to love it. Yeah. Um, 
you know, it had a lot of nostalgia for me because yeah. of uh, there was so much, you know, the John Williams music, yeah. um, you know, trying to tie into the Donnerverse movies. So I, I liked all that. Um, but it was one of those things that, like, for me, once Man of Steel came out, that was Superman Returns just, you know. Doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. But I, I will say I thought he did a great job. I thought, you know, he was one of the few people that seemed to be like really, you know. <laughs> um, no, he's he is invested. He is definitely yeah. invested. Yeah. And I liked his 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 character uh, moments I liked. And that was one of the things like on retrospect, I was like, you know, he should have been the one. You know, if they're going to if they're going to go talk to Smallville, talk to another Superman or another situation, you know, go and interact with him. I, I just uh, that was the thing, like, you know, overall, the entire story arc of this, I just it just was not cohesive for a five part story. It just was all over the map, you know. Uh, moments of, of goodness here and there interspersed with just raging mediocrity and then moments of nigh on incomprehensibility. I mean, I, I seriously, like I, I wish I, I wish I'd had a notebook to only just, <laughs> to just, just to write down only one thing, just, just make a little tick mark every time I rewound, you know, 20, 30 seconds to make sure I didn't miss something. Yeah. Because I could not figure out what in the hell was going on, you know. It, the best was with my wife. She 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 just recently watched that show Lucifer, mm. you know, and she kind of looked over my shoulder at one point and was like, "Oh, oh, are you watching Lucifer?" I was like, "Oh no, he's, you know, he's here, you know, because he's part of the DC universe." And there's Constantine, and you know, and she kind of watches over my shoulder for a minute, and I was like, "That's it, he's done, he's gone." She's like, okay, good. I have to watch this whole thing then, you know, because she just, (laughs) (laughs) but I, yeah, I don't know. know. Well, the, um, the last item on my agenda here, Mm -hmm. and I really don't know where you're coming from with this, but the last item on my agenda is, uh, and we can exempt Smallville from this because thankfully it was either Mark Guggenheim or, or Greg Berlanti. It was somebody, some high muckety muck in involved in the Arrowverse actually said that in the restored multiverse, the Smallville universe still exists. Mm. So that's not on screen Canon, but it is behind the scenes Canon. So, but otherwise the, you know, Dan Jurgens one time he was on, I don't even remember, but he was on some podcast and something triggered this guy. I don't know what it was, but he went on this little mini rant and he cut it. It it ended almost as soon as it started, but for just a minute, it's like the claws came out, you know? Mm. And he's like, look, the hackiest thing that any writer can do is take somebody else's character and then kill him off just to give that guy's story more credibility, you know? So writer B comes in, kills writer's A character so that he can give his own story, writer B's story, that extra emotional heft. He's like, that is the hackiest thing you can possibly do mm. in comics. And I think he realized that maybe he was about to start naming names. And so he instantly cut that off, but for just a minute. And it's like, that is so fucking true. 
<laughs> and the beginning of the the crisis crossover, it was basically the Burton Batman, like the Bur- Burton verse Batman. Bam, gone. Um, let me think. Yeah. Uh, Birds of Prey universe from the early two th- early mid two thousand something like that. Bam, gone. Right. Um, and the the Adam West Batman universe. Bam, gone. You know, all of these different, basically, if there's a live action DC property out there somewhere, it's nuked, it's gone, it's history, except Mm -hmm. for apparently uh, shows that are still going right now, Smallville and the Donnerverse. And basically everything else we can gather is toast. Yeah. And it's like, okay, there are people out there, I don't completely relate to this, I was never a big Birds of Prey guy. Like the TV yeah. show Birds of Prey, right? But there, that show even now still has a pretty devoted fan base, and they just watched their show get fucking nuked off the map. <laughs> and same thing with the Adam West Batman show. Same, you know, just on down the line. And right. it's like, who do you people think you fucking are to come along and just wipe this stuff out? Because hey, it's not your show, so it doesn't matter. Right. You know, I mean, it's like the older I get, honestly, you know. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry I, I keep layering on rants on top of rants here, but there is one more thing before I give you back the mic. There is actually, I'm at, sure. you know, I'm actually starting to get a little bit fed up with this idea of a multiverse in fiction. Because Marvel, like the MCU, looks like they're well on their way to fucking that up. And it, on the Arrowverse side, it looks like it's not so much well, getting fucked up. I don't know, but it's like, it, it's starting to really wear out. It's welcome, you know? Yeah. And the more I think back on it, you know, I'm actually starting to look back on things like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films, the Mark Webb Spider-Man films, the Richard Donner Superman films, the Burton and Schumacher Batman films. Those things all exist in their own immaculate reality. They were not really ever shown that other characters exist. It's sometimes hinted at, but we're never really shown that sort of thing. In a Sam Raimi Spider-Man film, Spider-Man is what you get. In Burton's Batman films, Batman is what you get. And you know what? I don't miss other characters in when I watch those films. This idea of a multiverse, or for that matter, even a shared universe, I think I'm starting to get a little bit fed up with that. Now, I'm not saying this mm. hoping that you'll agree. I'm I, I just at least want to throw that out there and let you respond. Like, am I being too much of a jerk here or, or, <laughs> or what? Well, I think in this situation, you know, the fact that they just used those universes as dramatic cannon fodder. The cannon fodder. Yeah. I was gonna say dramatic fodder, but yeah, both dramatic, dramatical cannon fodder. Um, yeah, it was pretty much just kind of, kind of lazy writing. I mean, it just depends, I guess. I guess attitude's part of it. You can look at it as like, oh, we're just nodding the fact that all these shows exist, yada, yada, yada. You know, um, I happened to have my kids in the car with me the night I was binge-watching all that stuff. Um, I was waiting to pick them up from an activity, and they came in the car right when uh, the 90s Flash clip played. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I was like, oh, yeah, I watched this when I was your age, you know. And, and they're like, oh, you know. So there's that, but... Yeah, I think to me it's all about the execution. It's all about honestly the writing, the storytelling. You know, where where does it if it works it's fine. If it doesn't, yeah, he shouldn't have done it. I mean, that's, that's just the bottom line, you yeah. know. And and this whole situation I just feel like 
I think you hit the nail on the head with, you know, if you're going to do television, the writing is where it's at. You know, that's where you have to shine because, you, yeah, you'll never match the silver screen for what you can get. And this whole thing just kind of, that's, that, that's what I said. Like, I, I feel like it just dropped the ball in that regard. Yeah. It, it didn't even, you know, it, it just didn't, it, it couldn't carry the ball across the finish line. You know, I think it had like a pretty good setup, but I don't know. Uh, now the shared universe thing, phew, mm-hmm. you know, again, it just depends. On that note, I have to laugh that, in spite of all the haters, in spite of, you know, uh, the DCEU is still kicking, yeah. as the Flash popped up. <laughs> yes, you know, as as Zack Snyder's Flash popped yes. up. Yes. Let me taste your let me taste your tears once again, haters. Yeah, that was um, uh, kind of a good moment. I'll give you that. Sorry. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. Well, and that's that's the thing that I it's kind of amusing to me um, as a, as a side diversion. You know, the fact that that for the most part, Warner Brothers is doing what I felt they should have been doing. Uh, which is just sticking to their guns and conf- continuing the story. The one time they flinched was Justice League, and we saw how well that turned out. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I think my biggest problem is, is if you're going to do a big multi-arc story, if you're going to do something that encompasses shared universes, and I and I and when I use that term, I also kind of throw in the idea of of shared. Um, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Cross pollination between types of media, right? You know, if you're gonna, you know, um, you need a guiding hand to kind of pull it all together and and make it consistent and work. Otherwise, yeah, it's just it's just it's fan fiction nonsense, pretty much. Yeah. You know, and that's what that's what this one felt like to me. It felt like it was just rando whatever you know <laughs> you know what i mean it was just like oh, yeah oh you know oh we can get actually scott back let's throw in the birds of prey universe for a minute oh you know uh burt ward isn't dead let's throw him in for some for a minute you know uh you know just throwing things in you know everything in the kitchen sink in without a, a strong through line to pull it through this the barest you know i mean it felt this felt like a like a storyboarded pitch meeting come to life yeah. You know, without them actually going through the process of sitting down in a writer's room and working out something that has some oomph to it. And so. <sighs> well, uh, Dave, it looks like I owe you a bit of a uh, <laughs> a bit of an apology here. Oh. I, uh, a couple of days ago, this is a little peek behind the curtain, guys. But a couple of days ago, I was uh, I was up at uh, as uh, up at work. I was on a vapor break, as I so often am when I want to take a vapor break, and happened across an article on Google News. This was posted on CBR.com, and just for the record, no, I don't recommend that anybody ever read any of those trash websites like CBR or bleeding cool or any of the rest it's a it's a waste of time but mm. the art the uh 
the the headline of this article, this was something that I just, it, it was just so enraging, I could not walk away from. So I do want to comment on this. I, I do think you and I did kind of say our piece, but nevertheless, I did kind of want to comment on this at least a little bit before we call it a day here. But okay. basically, the headline of this article says, Crisis gives Tom Welling's Clark Kent the farewell he deserves. So right there, if ever there was a news article that was designed to trigger Magnus, here you go, guys. Um, and I got to tell you, the article itself doesn't disappoint. So it basically kicks off with kind of this standard boilerplate type stuff. And there's uh, apparently a nuclear war going on outside my window. But um, anyway... So, uh, kind of boilerplate beginning. Tom Welling made his long-anticipated appearance on CW's Crisis on Infinite Earths, blah, 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 blah. To get into the meat and potatoes, it says, Welling is seen, and it basically uh, it explains what it is that's going on here. Welling seen tending to the family farm in the Smallville of Earth-167. He's approached by Earth-38's Clark and Lois, Earth-1's Iris, and frickin' blah, 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 blah. And so when we finally start getting to like the meat and potatoes of what of this article's intent. Mm -hmm. This paragraph uh, says, that's the extent, this little brief moment, it's basically kind of a cameo appearance that he makes. That's the extent of Welling's uh, appearance, but it serves as a perfect send-off for the character. Smallville fans will recall that Welling, much to the dismay of many viewers, never donned Superman's iconic costume during the show's run, save... Uh, save for a brief close-up near the end of the series finale. The only scene showing Welling in full costume was computer-generated, which is true, by the way. When Smallville was in production, Welling repeatedly stated he did not want to wear the costume, blah, 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 blah. And now we come to it. Welling didn't want to wear Superman's costume, and after a while, neither did Clark. And whatever the career of Earth-167 Superman ever entailed, no one ever saw it. Welling's Clark was never seen in costume, and, and if Earth-167 even had a Superman, viewers only know it because that world's Clark Kent said so. Earth-167 Superman was exactly the Superman... This is really starting to get annoying, my God. <laughs> like, you can hear this, right? Yeah, I can. It's All interesting. Right. Well, it's like people are choosing this moment to mow their fucking lawn. So anyway, uh, I'm going to battle through it. Earth-167 Superman was exactly the Superman Welling always wanted. Heard of, but never seen. And as such, his appearance in Crisis should be only as Clark and not Superman, because if he was unwilling to take on the role before, there's no reason he should now. Now, oh. Dave... I just want to level with you about something here. That's all of the article I care to read. Yeah. I'm just going to level with you about something. That is the stupidest thing that I have ever read. And just to put that in perspective, I went to public school. All right. <laughs> that is the dumbest thing that I have ever read. I mean, oh. some, writing something that egregiously stupid should be like some kind of a felony or something. I mean, my, my God. And anyway. It, I, I, I understand. And you know what's funny is like I – I've read several articles like that recently about other eras of fandom. 
Um, well, and I should actually let me be more honest. I've not read the articles. I've just I've read the titles and known that I'm going to read something along those lines. Um, it's really weird now. This whole thing with the you know these different websites and fandom and trying to follow geek news and there's all these kind of articles written like they're definitive news, quote unquote. Right. <laughs> and they're just full of this like half cooked baloney. <laughs> and uh you know, whether you pick your fandom, you can find it, you know, Smallville, DC, Star Wars, whatever. I, oh, my gosh. Like this. I don't I don't. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and again, that's kind of the whole the whole thing. Like if 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 they just shouldn't have done it. <laughs> yeah, they just shouldn't have done it. You know, well, the of course, my worry is if they if he hadn't agreed to show up that maybe they would have just like shown the farm and nuked it like the all the rest of the extended live action DC universe got nuked in this whole event yeah. <laughs> uh, well it's just this one of the things that came up at some con appearance that I think I, I think it was Welling, Rosenbaum and Kristen Kruk they mm -hmm. all did together and of course you know they're going to do a Smallville panel I mean when yeah. you have that much Smallville star power under one roof. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you don't have a panel, you're kind of not doing your job, you know? Yep. And so, you know, there's going to be a panel. And so somebody, I think maybe they understand more than they're letting on. They're kind of hiding their power level a little bit. They suggested, hey, would any of you be up for doing some kind of Smallville like animated movie? And... Oh. You know, that was kind of a tip off right there, you know, so this is not like an official announcement or anything like that. This was basically just actors from the show kicking the tires on this. And Welling seemed like not fake enthusiastic. He actually seemed very enthusiastic about that. He thought, wow, so I can come back to the character and do a Superman story, but not have to wear the tights. Yeah, you know, that's got some disco potential to it, you know? And he seemed, yeah. like, really enthusiastic about it. And Kristen Kruk, I mean, honestly, who gives a damn? If she, I mean, if she's in it, yeah. fine. If she's not in it, fine. Rosenbaum, definitely. I mean, because he's obviously no stranger to, to, to voice work, right? Yeah. So, uh, but he was definitely up, up for the game on that. And so that was where my mind was at going in when this news of uh, Welling's cameo in the Arrowverse, when that news broke, that was still kind of bouncing around in the back of my mind. Wow. What if somebody does an animated Smallville movie lately? It's like, gee, I wonder what that would be like, you know? And yeah, it it's like now. Yeah. I mean, if it happens, I, you know, I'm, I guess I'm going to be there, but it does kind of tamp down the enthusiasm at least a little bit that after all these years of hoping all these years of waiting you know and honestly not even waiting i don't know because I, I mean i was actually very comfortable with the fact that smallville had ended but i, I don't know hoping's not the, the right word and waiting isn't the right word but all these years of something and this is what we get now dave I'm sure you've heard me comment on how I responded to Superman Returns when that movie came out. Yeah. It was like getting stabbed in the back. They twist the knife, break it off at the handle, 
and then knock you over and pour a bunch of salt in this in this wound. That's what that movie was like for me. I mean, it was like a cinematic mugging. That's what that movie was like for me. I, I do not have fond memories of seeing that in theaters. And by the way, this was after going in with already reduced expectations. That's the baggage I brought into Superman Returns. And I'm not quite to that point with Smallville right now, praise God. But it's like at the same time, it does make me wonder, well, if this was the other shoe that apparently was always going to drop, do I really want to risk now rolling the dice on a Smallville animated movie? Because God only knows what might happen with that. So, I mean, just hypothetically, if a Smallville animated movie gets announced, and I mean a Superman movie set in the Smallville universe, it's got all the voice actors, they're coming back, and it's going to be a Superman adventure in Smallville, like a Smallville verse. Right. Are you ultra excited about that? Kind of excited? Don't care? Like, how has this kind of, let's face it, disappointing cameo appearance affected your Smallville fandom? My knee-jerk reaction is I want to say, like, it, it definitely, like, makes me a little leery. But then again, my internal optimism kind of switches on. <laughs> and I go, you know what, though? But if, but, if, but if I can actually get, you know, Erica Durant being able to say more than one line as Lois. <laughs> yeah. And getting everybody back. And I know Rosenbaum, how good he is. And just, you know, because I had this similar experience with you. I, got, I, I found myself in Atlanta um, unexpectedly, went to Dragon Con completely unplanned a couple of years ago saw a panel with Rosenbaum and Welling and they were just having a great time with each other um, I think it would be really good I think I think what it would come down to though for me is that who's writing it yeah who's who's writing it and and what's the story that they're gonna tell and then I'd be a hundred percent down um, but I would I'll definitely be a lot more wary if it had been before this cameo, I would have been doing cartwheels. After this, I'm going to be a little... Uh, there'll, always, there'll be a little hesitation, like, uh, you know, is it going to follow up on this nonsense? Or is it going to... You know, if somebody says, yeah, we're adapting something out of that season 11 or something or whatever, um, great. Yeah. You know, but... Uh, okay. You know. All right, well, I, fair enough. Yeah. I, 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 well, it, here's the thing. I always go off of... You know, if you watch something, if you watch a movie or a show or you read a book or you're in your like us, if you're mm -hmm. the kind of person that gets into something, you know, you really like it, you think about it, you watch it more than once. You know, there comes a point where you have to kind of just go, you know what? I'm me. That thing is this thing, you know, and, and if I like the first trilogy, <laughs> hmm. you know, and the next one comes along and I'm not that hip on it, you know you just have to go okay that's fine i'll just pretend it doesn't exist you know what i mean like yeah. I, you know and that's the thing about this is tom was there erica was there they were on the farm you know it was filmed it looked like smallville um didn't really smell like smallville you know yeah. and that's okay just you know what i mean like i don't begrudge anybody who liked it if you think it was a perfect send-off okay yeah 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I'm glad you can get there. You know what I mean? I've been on that side of the fence too. I've been on the other side of the fence where I like something nobody else does. Yeah. Great. You know, I, I keep threatening to do a Man of Steel commentary. Um, <laughs> and one of these days I will just to inflict uh, me ranting about how good it is for probably longer than the running time of the movie is but (laughs) (laughs) but um you know and so that's the thing so that's the thing you know it's just you know the the thing is is even though this left kind of a sour taste in my mouth i love smallville you know and your coverage i may be behind on it a little bit i don't know where you're at these days last i heard i think you just crossed over into the sainted season seven yeah, um, I'm kicking around uh, doing uh, the episode. I think the second one, it's called Kara. I think I'm going to try getting that out soon. Got it. I, you know, and that's my favorite era. You know what I mean? So when I think about your excellent coverage continuing of that into my favorite from that, from basically seven to the end is like my favorite time of the show for various and sundry reasons. Um, I get excited again. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I guess just take a deep breath, shake it off. <laughs> you know, it's like when people ask me, what's your favorite Star Wars movie, Dave? And I'm like, it's the last one I watched, um, <laughs> you know? And so, uh, but it's a good, it's a good question. Yeah. I think with the whole Smallville thing. Yeah. I would like them to continue because I think this, this just doesn't count. Yeah, no. It just doesn't count. You can't tell me it counts. I mean, if you want to tell me it's part of some weird multiverse crossover, world-ending, we rebuilt it and it's different now anyway, shenanigans, fine. Because it was... Yeah. <laughs> well, no, and I and like the thing is, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I agree with that and... Honestly, I mean, I said that I saw an out clause on this with yeah, Clark's watch. I'm I'm 100% down with that. Um, The multiverse reset itself, actually, I just now realized that's kind of its own Mm -hmm. possible escape route. Like if somebody somebody ever has a momentary bout of, I don't know, logic... They may be able to see that, you know what, we actually, there is, there is a way out here if we try X, Y, or Z, so I don't know. But, uh, yeah, that's, it, by and large, you know, that, that was basically um, everything that I had on the agenda, at least for for this crossover. Now, have we left any stones unturned, or is there anything that uh, extra that you want to throw in that we haven't covered yet? No, no, I think we... I think we covered what's worth covering out of this. <laughs> uh, there's an argument that we've covered far more than was what, than what was worth covering. So, yeah. all right, fair enough. Well, either way, Dave, thank you very much for right. uh, coming back and you know joining in on this and honestly, kind of talking me off the ledge a little bit. This is <laughs> you actually did raise uh, uh, you know some issues here that I mean, it's like on the one hand, it's like it doesn't really change that much but it's like at the same time it changes maybe the context uh, i don't know it's just you, you basically put a, a more positive spin on this and so for that reason I, I thank you very much for your time especially since it's also in a certain in a certain way i guess this is kind of like the middle of your work day so <laughs> you're podcasting on the clock sir so <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, that's okay. Yeah, no, nobody will know. I mean, if they find out, I'd be impressed rather than worried that I get in trouble. <laughs> so, all right. Well, either way, uh, thanks again. Yes. And um, now I'm not completely sure when I'm going to be releasing this. If I were a betting man, I'd say probably within the next week or so. But we're just going to have to wait and see. But uh, either way, I think that's pretty much it for me for right now. So. Bye, everybody. I will see you next time. Boy, who needs a drink? Okay, so I think that's just about the end of that. Trennis Magnus Punches Reality is a proud member of the Two True Freaks Podcast Network. You can find the home for Trennis Magnus Punches Reality at twotruefreaks.com. You can also find this show on Facebook just by searching for Trentus Magnus Punches Reality. There you can interact with your fellow listeners and also see notifications of new episodes when I put them up. My Facebook group is the only official place where you can find everything that has anything to do with this show. The reason for that is because I despise Twitter. Pretty much everything about Twitter sucks. So, join the Facebook group today. Speaking of Facebook, you can friend me just by searching for Trentus Magnus, which is spelled T-R-E-N-T-U-S-M-A-G-N-U-S. You can email me and my parole officer at trennismagnus at gmail.com. But remember, all feedback and correspondence emailed to me will be read on mic unless you request otherwise. So, if your email isn't intended for public consumption, don't forget to say so. Otherwise, I'll assume that you want your correspondence to be heard by my dozens, and dozens, of fans across the world. Do you have a suggestion for a topic? feel free to email me, and I might consider thinking about the possibility of potentially discussing whatever you have in mind someday. And that's a promise. Since we're on the subject of feedback, Trentus Magnus Punches Reality can be found on iTunes just by searching for Trentus Magnus Punches Reality. Won't you take a moment to rate my show on iTunes? That helps new listeners find the show. And just in case you don't think that I've given you enough shit to click on just yet, you can sponsor my show simply by going to twotruefreaks.com. There you can find the PayPal button, donate any amount at all, specify that you're sending Magnus some monetary love, and you will be an official sponsor of my show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there's no minimum donation. Be a Trennis Magnus show sponsor today. I don't have a Patreon. Because if you think that I hate Twitter, boy, just wait till you hear what I think of Patreon. So, if you want to throw some bucks my way, the Two True Freaks PayPal link is the way to do it. 
The contents of this podcast are fictitious, hypothetical, and probably completely unnecessary. Any similarity to living persons or real-life events is purely coincidental and void where prohibited by law, some assembly required, batteries not included, many will enter, few will win, the white zone is for passenger loading and unloading only, all models are over the age of 18. Trinus Magnus Punches Reality is a Magnus Media Enterprises Limited production in association with Demonsecor of Milan, Italy. Everybody. My name is Trennis Magnus. I host a show called Trennis Magnus Punches Reality, a podcast dedicated to comics, movies, and TV shows. During the course of my show, I've talked about horror movies, comic book back issues, old Star Trek episodes, season-by-season analyses of Smallville, and so much more. Heck, I've even talked about prose novels a few times. You never quite know what's coming next with Trennis Magnus Punches Reality, and that's the whole fun. So, check out Trennis Magnus Punches Reality, a proud member of the Two True Freaks Podcast Network. New episodes of Trennis Magnus Punches Reality can be found every Tuesday on iTunes and at twotruefreaks.com. <laughs>